Welcome to Tent Talk, the podcast with Nancy McCrady, where we talk about life under the big tent of God's presence and the provoking process of discipleship. Here we go. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Tent Talk. This is Nancy McCrady. Check out this episode, The Greatest Gig, because serving at the pleasure of our Father is our greatest honor. And this, my friends, is how we want to live life in these days. Check it out, share it, subscribe to Tent Talk so that you don't ever miss an episode, and help us get this message out by sharing it with others. We are in this together. Love you all. In the early 1900s, there was a phrase, I believe, that was coined at that time in government where uh, a particular appointee said, I serve at the pleasure of the president. And I've been thinking about this. It came up in a conversation recently, and I thought I would just share this today. Again, I'm in a reflective uh, place as we approach uh, celebrating the fourth anniversary of the launch of Nancy McCready Ministries, meaning we are coming to the end of our fourth year, stepping into our fifth year. And this phrase that came up, I serve at the pleasure of my Father. He can do with me as He chooses. He brought me in. He can take me out. He can use me in public, or He can set me aside. He can put me with who He will. There's a quote by John Wesley that is so powerful, I was trying to find it, and maybe later I'll be able to read it on, a, on another episode. But this is basically what John Wesley says. I put it in my restoration workbook years ago, and it is so very powerful. But for it to be really, really true, <laughs> wow, that takes quite a bit of <laughs> uh, conversation and processing between us and the Father. Because these things sound so powerful when we read them, when we say them. But for them to become reality, for us to truly be able to say, I take up this assignment because he's put it upon me. I lay it down because he says it's over. Do you know how easy it is to become attached to assignments, to make them your identity, to make them who you are? When that's not who we are, we are not our assignment. We are not valuable because of what we do or how people perceive us. You know, Paul says in the scripture in the New Testament at the beginning of um, and throughout some of the books of the Bible that he wrote, but when he would say things like, you know, I am Paul, an apostle summoned. Uh, by God. Uh, And so he's basically saying, I was called out for uh, this assignment, and I serve at the pleasure of my Father. I serve at the pleasure of God. And if it so pleases God to set me among the Jews, among the Gentiles, in these nations, at this time, in this location, before these authorities in this dungeon, in this, you know, because typically we make it sound oftentimes like if you're, 
you know, really a nice, nice Christian, no one will ever be upset with you. You know, you won't rub people the wrong way. Um, you know, people will want to flock to you. And and yet, when we read the the scripture with cross-cut eyes, you know what I mean by cross-cut? Cross-cut eyes means that the cross, by the very power and the instrument of the cross of Jesus Christ, it cuts the fat of dullness off your spiritual eyes. And you read the scripture through the power of the cross, you're like, well, why did Paul end up in that dungeon and with his head cut off? Why was Peter crucified upside down? Why was John boiled in oil? And why was James killed? And why were others sawn in two? And, you know, you're like, why did that happen? Well, because the one whom they served sent them out as messengers, right, of him. And they served at his pleasure. And this is not understood by the casual observer. Uh, This is not understood oftentimes until you really look into what they had, if you will, personally with the Father. You know, it was said of Paul, uh, I believe, Uh, Let me turn over there, if you will. Just let me do something here in real time. In Acts 9, at the very beginning of, if you will, Paul's story, as he's transitioning from Saul. uh, Talk about some transitioning. From Saul to Paul, uh, God says to this oftentimes unknown person, this one man, Ananias, who, boy, talk about having a bird's-eye view to history-making moments. You know, here's Ananias saying, look, you know, don't send me to this guy. Don't you know what he does to people like us? He kills people like us, right? Right? Not, not, oh, yeah, we're Christians and everybody loves us and we're just so winsome and awesome. People are just drawn to us. And if you're just loving and you greet them well at church and all that, I mean, I'm like, where have we come up with this? And so, yes, there is Christian love. Of course, there is brotherly love. Of course, there is, you know, the kindness of God, but not human kindness, right? Anyway, okay, so here, let me stay on track. Okay, is, you know, Ananias is like, you know, if I go to him, you know, he has the authority to put people in chains, people who call upon your name, Father. He has authority to put people who call upon your name into chains. But the Lord said to Ananias, this is in Acts nine fifteen. but the Lord said to Ananias to him, go for this man is a chosen instrument of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the descendants of Israel. Verse 16, For I will make it clear to him how much he will be afflicted and must endure and suffer for my name's sake. So Ananias left and went into the house, and he laid hands on Saul and said, Brother Saul, 
The Lord Jesus, who appeared to you along the way by which you came here, has sent me that you may recover your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, there's so much there that I could go into, but but the point of this is that Ananias served at the pleasure of the Father uh, when he laid hands on Brother Saul, who became Paul. God made it clear, this man now belongs to me. There is a divine ownership over this man. Now go to him. You see, previously, right, Saul was like, I've got papers and I can string you up, put you in prison, persecute you, murder you. And God says, no, you go to him, right? This is about my name's sake. And it is a powerful thing for those who are maturing when you realize I'm not owed anything in, quote, ministry. This isn't my career ladder that I'm climbing to be a successful professional minister. My friends, either you're on assignment at the pleasure of the Father or you're not. If you've self-assigned, self-called, if you've found, hey, my skills and talents work in this thing called ministry. And and if you just show a little love and concern for people and you tell them what they want to hear, you can make a great living. Come on now. You can make a great living, have a great comfortable life. You know, things are paid for for you. And and there's this whole, you know, and people are like, hey, yeah, this is like a great, this is a great gig. <laughs> okay, this... This is a great gig, all right. But my friends, this is at the pleasure of the Father. And as John Wesley said, he can do anything with me that he wants. He can use me or set me aside. He can put me with whoever he wants or put me with nobody. But this is what John Wesley ultimately, in his quote, it's a pretty long quote, ultimately what John Wesley said was just keep me under your roof. Mm. So here at Tent Talk, I would say it is, Father, just keep me under the tent of your presence. Just keep me with you, and you can do anything with me that you want. I mean, there's a lot of things that I have in my heart and that I desire and that I can see and that would be so fantastical and super spectacular, right, in ministry. I can see these things, and I'm not saying that they're not to come. Maybe I'm seeing things that are to come. But can I just see right in front of me and and be like, Father, I serve at your pleasure. Now, I know when I say this, I can feel the reverberations of reality inside of it. Is that may, you know, that those words will be tested. Can he really do with me as he pleases? And it not cause me to doubt his love or that I'm his favorite, right? Because I'm his favorite and so are you. <laughs> if you look at the word favor, it's favorite, it's a favorite. Just like there were Canaanites, Hittites, Jebusites. We are the favorites of God, the favorites. I know his love for me. See, there's something that happens so deep between you and the Father that finally you realize your assignment isn't determined by people. 
Now, people open up doors for you. God uses authorities in our life to open up doors and all that. But God will make people like you, my friends, that that naturally don't like you. They're not looking for you. And God will say, you see this one right here? Take this one. And we think we're we're liked by people and chosen by people because of something about us. And the day when you realize that God nudged that person and said, uh, this is uh, one of mine, uh, and I'd like for you to choose them and put them in this place and do this and that. And and you think you have found favor, you know, just with man. But the only true favor that you receive from people, true favor, is the true favor of God. And that's when all your natural self-esteems, your natural things of you know, there must just be something charming about me that makes people want to be around me. Well, God has to drain that out for you to ever be sent out on assignment uh, and be about his business simply uh, because I serve at the pleasure of my father. And for the reality of those statements to be made that he really can do with me whatever he chooses, and I won't doubt who he is, as I rise and fall, as I come and go, as I'm hidden or, or uh, you know, conspicuous, whichever way it may be. And it won't cause me to doubt him or doubt me, <laughs> you know, and my value and my worth. And see, something very powerful happens in private between you and the Father for you to truly be able to say those things. You see, because the the men and women in the Bible counted it a privilege to suffer. They counted it a privilege that they would be going in the same way as Jesus. Hmm? Acts 9.16, For I will make clear to him how much he will be afflicted and must endure and suffer for my name's sake. Now make it clear here. Paul was not going to suffer and be afflicted for his sin. No, Jesus paid for our sins. There is no suffering and no affliction that I'm living through by my assignment from God that is for is because of I've sinned so heinously in the past, and I surely have. We're going to have to be very, very clear about that. But those who have needed to drink so very, very deep of the mercy, love, and grace of God. Understand that the very things that are coming at me as I am on assignment are the very things that once came out of me. Oh, I understand the suffering and the affliction. Don't you think Paul understood the suffering and affliction? This one who previously had papers to be able to persecute, you don't think he understood persecution when it came at him? Oh, he understood where it came from because it had once been in him. It once operated through him. So Paul was very, very clear. Oh, I'm not suffering because I've sinned and was so horrible in my past. I'm not paying for my sin. No, Jesus has done that. Paul had seen the crucifixion, he had been shown it in living panoramic technicolor by Jesus himself. Paul and Jesus spent quite a bit of time together before Paul was really sent out 
And there were things that Paul knew very personally. And so we serve, don't we, at the pleasure of our Father. Is any suffering or affliction, anything that's coming, is it for His name's sake? Is it for Him? And if so, we're not going to chafe against that, are we? Are we so one with Him, so identified with Him, that whatever the assignment be, whatever it is, known or unknown, applauded or ridiculed, whatever it may be, Are you serving today at the pleasure of your Father? My friends, that's the greatest gig there will ever be. So think about these things. I'll talk to you soon. For more information on Nancy, please visit nancymccrady.com or follow her on social media at nbmccrady.com.